All righty. What's going on, everybody? Uh, it's back, boys, back for another episode of the Vols ATB uh, podcast show, whatever you want to call it. We're just here every Wednesday for you. Uh, obviously, got a lot to break down this week. Absolutely mind-boggling. It's that week where everything gets crazy. Uh, the basketballs are back. Had their first season opener against Tennessee Tech. Early signing day today. Getting uh, some huge future recruits that we're going to break down. Obviously, we have a lot to talk about from last Saturday against Georgia. Breaking down that and the uh, the college football playoff ranking reaction to the Tennessee loss. Um, obviously, a lot to dive into, but boys, how are we feeling? Alex, go ahead. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I'm feeling all right. I mean, I, I think everything kind of played out the way that we thought it would. Uh, obviously, the, the loss to Georgia is upsetting, but still not disappointing. We're still right there. We're still in the hunt. And I also think that the playoff rankings we'll get to in a little bit. And more in depth, but I think I think we're in a good spot. You know, I I think everything kind of like I said played out the way we thought. But uh wish we had that one back, but there's still a lot more football to play. So yeah, I mean I'm not doing too bad either. I've like really dissected more, you know, this loss more and more the last couple of days. And honestly, it's not the end of the world. We're still in a fantastic position uh to be in the playoff i mean and we need to continue to remind ourselves the fact that we're even in this conversation in november is unbelievable so uh still a lot to play for you know big time game on saturday it's gonna be i don't know about y'all but it's gonna be a very emotional day for me knowing this will be the last game in neyland for the year uh especially with this team and you know with tillman and hooker or you know with hooker going a few other guys too so um, but yeah, I mean, still a lot of football left, a lot of, you know, all three games are winnable and I think we're in a fantastic position to sneak in that four spot. Yeah, yeah, man. I think if you would have asked me, you know, at Skybox, I probably predicted the Georgia game an L, but leading up to it, like all the hype of like us seeing what this team did become this year, going into that game, we kind of had that little glimpse of confidence. Um, obviously this was probably Georgia's biggest game of the year to them and their fan base, their team, their whole staff, like they put effort into this game. Um, obviously so much to, you know, break down with that. I definitely think, you know, like you said, we wouldn't have been here. We never thought we'd be here. Uh, looking at the differential, just in talent alone, like kind of even crazy that Tennessee's going out here and competing with teams. Um, all in all, man, a lot to break down, I guess, to kind of just start off with, you know, get it over and done with the Georgia game. Uh, Tennessee falling to number one, Georgia, uh, now ranks number one in Sanford Stadium, a crazy environment. Um, I won't lie, that place is kind of crazy on the TV, especially. Uh, all in all, I guess we can go ahead and start. Drew, what was your kind of main takeaway from it? Yeah, I mean, I think it was, you know, frustrating for everyone, uh, you know, those cheering on the balls to watch this game just because, uh, I mean, it was just a lot of mental errors. I mean, you know, we had eight false starts that game, you know, nine penalties for 55 yards, and it just seemed like they were happening in the worst time possible, whether it feels like, you know, third and twos in the red zone or things like that, and you know, and Hooker, I would, you know, I think anyone can't disagree with this. He had his worst game in his career as a Tennessee ball on Saturday. I mean, just a lot of overthrows, you know, he was holding on the ball too much. I'm not putting this on him because it's really, it was a team collective unit as why we lost this game. But, you know, everyone just wasn't on their A game. And I think this environment got the best of them. But, you know, the one thing that I try to at least take out of it positive is the fact that, like, yeah, we only allowed three points, you know, in the second half to Jordan, which is, I think is big, you know, I think that first half, like that first quarter was just way too chaotic. And you knew just immediately once Seth's companion got out of that pocket and ran in for 20 yards for, you know, first score, you knew it was just, it was going to be impossible just to stop them 
uh, that day. But I think there's a lot to take out of it. You know, um, honestly, I'd rather have this loss now than as opposed to, say, any of these last three games or even the SEC championship for this matter because, you know, there's, there's a lot of room improvement. But they did not look, in my opinion, they did not look like they were unbeatable. Like, we could, I think if we play our neutral side and play our best A game, that we can compete with Georgia and who knows. But, um, yeah, tough mm-hmm. loss. No one likes to lose. But, hey, I mean, we're still on track to go to 11-1, so I think we'll be all right. Yeah, I, I, I think it's crazy that we're still, I mean, like we've been saying, we're still entertaining college football playoff conversations with, like, actual legitimacy this far into the season. Like, we're not we're not crazy. We're not, like – we're not like, dang, what what would that look like to be at this point and like be ranked top five in the country? You know what I'm saying? So, but like reviewing the game, I remember sitting there thinking when Georgia got the ball first, they were moving and they were moving early. And then they, there was the fumble. And I was like, okay, you know what? Like that might shift this game a little bit. But then we got held up, like you say, Drew, there was a bunch of false starts. I think we had like four that first, like two or three series that really killed us. Um Settled for a field goal, and I was like, that just that still doesn't feel good. Then Georgia came right back, was moving the ball just like they were, and then you saw the Stetson Bennett scramble for score. And yeah, like you said, this this is kind of when you knew, like, dang, like this one, this one really might not be going our way. And it was early. It really was early. But then, like y'all said, like defense stepped up. We made our adjustments, uh, seven to three in the second half. But the offense just like I don't I don't know. To me, it kind of reminded me that like they looked scared almost, like a little bit intimidated. Like maybe maybe the environment was was crazy, like you're saying, or the the moment was a little too big, and that's fine. I would rather I'd rather work through that now, like you're saying. I'd rather work through that now than like bigger games that are to come because there's still like we've been saying there's a lot more football to play. So mm-hmm. overall, like yeah, I am disappointed, and I've never seen our offense like sputter like that in a long time. <laughs> um, so it does kind of bring you back down to earth a little bit, but maybe that's good. That's kind of the reality check that we needed because I mean we were firing on all cylinders for the longest time. Uh, we know that Hooker's touchdown streak ended, but again, I think I think like that's expected when you play in a team like this, uh, or not expected, but it's it's more understandable. But yeah, there's there's a lot more to play for. I think we we recollect against Mizzou this Saturday, and then we get back right on track. Yeah, man. I mean, like the offense really didn't even have a chance, like with the tempo and getting in the rhythm and, you know, breaking away for big plays like the the pre-snap penalties definitely didn't help. But also with the crowd noise, man, like it was just wild, um, you know, to get those three or four big plays like, you know, we would run twice or, you know, try to look for that deep ball. You know, Georgia, they put out a blueprint out there. They're going to jam you up front. And they did it with talent. Obviously, they had the talent to keep up with our speed and our, our tempo and our whole blueprint. But seeing like Ryan Wingo and like or, uh, Wingo and like all those other guys that were kind of just jamming up on Cedric, uh, you know, all that things happened. Like the injuries that were happening out of nowhere, they weren't major injuries, but when they happened, like that also affected our tempo. Jalen Hyatt tripping on the freaking receiver, um, you know, the two missed balls to Princeton fan, Jalen and then Brew, you know, those, you know, big plays. Tennessee needed those big plays kind of late to kind of survive in the game. Didn't get it. Still, you know, they won the second half. And I want to give a huge shout out to our defense, you know, like allowing the least amount of points in this rivalry in a very long time. Like I'm used to Georgia, you know, putting up, you know, 41, 38 and, you know, being like, a, you know, a field goal game or, you know, winning in overtime or on a, a Dobbs no boot. But they went out there and played their tails off, man. And, you know, to do that with kind of where we're lack, especially on defense with talent, like they went out there and played. Um, it was the healthiest our team has been. But to have like the injuries happen where they have just kind of sucked. Um, I, I wonder how it goes in the next week and leading into the rest of the season. Uh, obviously, we have the more talent than any of these other teams. Uh, we've seen what we've done 
said especially Missouri and South Carolina last year. We know this is a much better team this year. So I don't expect anything like that. But if they try to, like, you know, do that jam-up blueprint, uh, it's kind of interesting to see what happens. If we're talking about it, if I'm talking about it on the Vols ATV show, I know the coaching staff went in there the first thing was like, all right, this is what we're going to do. Uh, I definitely think this offense kind of gets wound back up. But, man, like, it was just crazy to kind of see the reaction. And I guess we can go ahead and hop into the rankings part of that, the reaction to, you know, Tennessee losing and, you know, being ranked fifth last night on the uh, college football playoffs and Kirk Herbstreit openly saying on live television that Tennessee's loss to, you know, Georgia isn't as bad or, you know, is just the same as Oregon's 40-point loss. That blew my mind. And, you know, it kind of scares me going forward with this committee because you have so many teams on the outside looking in as well. Obviously, TCU got in. Um, if Ohio State and Michigan's close, I know those teams in the Big Ten are definitely going to, you know, argue that both teams should be in. Tennessee, in my opinion, should have more than like an 85% chance to get in if they win out their games. There's no reason that you should lose to number one in Sanford Stadium and not get a shot against them on a neutral site. Like Oregon played them on a neutral site and got smoked. We went into their stadium. Eric Ainge ignited the fire out of the Georgia fan base. And, you know, they showed up. Props to them showing up for a 230 game. Um, You know, we did it. We got successful against LSU this year. But when you go into an environment like that, the number one team with that kind of talent, like, they kind of schemed it up, man. And after that, you know, first Stetson Bennett, when they got points on the board, all they focused on was draining clock and being able to stock the big plays. And that really gave Tennessee no chance. But when you look at the committee point of that and say that Tennessee, you know, in my opinion, they should have stayed inside the top four last night. But to say, like, looking outside, you have Oregon, UCLA, USC, and all these other teams that are kind of flirting with it. And if they went out, you know, win their conference championship, everyone's going to be screaming for it. But I think – Obviously, Tennessee's one of the top four best teams in college football, right, right, guys? Yeah, I mean, I think – I know folks are pissed off the fact that we're like, you know, we're at five because, you know, they'll make the argument that TCU has, you know, their biggest win is what, Kansas State, maybe Oklahoma. I think they only have one current top 25 win, which is Kansas State. But we have to remember they're undefeated, and as far as I'm concerned, there's still three more weeks of football left. And if you really break it down, Tennessee's still in a great position. If you really compare it to, like, TCU, for example, they have to go on the road to Texas. They have to play Baylor. They have to play Iowa State, which I know they're 4-5 and five this year, but Matt Campbell's a pretty damn good coach. And not to mention, they'll have to play Texas likely again in the Big 12 championship. And then you have Oregon, who has to play two top 25 teams in their last three weeks of Washington and Utah. And Utah's, you know, Utah's bounced back tremendously from that Florida, or you know, Florida loss start off the year. And USC has to play, you know, UCLA, who's been great all year, and Notre Dame, who's like found a resurgence and like looked dominant as hell against Clemson last Saturday. And then on top of that, you have Ohio State and Michigan. They're both facing each other, and either of those teams are going to have one, you know, have a loss. So. I know a lot of people are freaking out about it, and they're going to think that, you know, there's going to be one way or another that we're going to get, you know, cheated out. But at the end of the day, if they really had to bullet down to a one-loss Oregon team that did win the Pac-12, I think the committee still regardless is going to look at the fact that both these teams played the exact same opponent and one team lost by seven touchdowns at a neutral site and the other team only lost by two. And you, could all, you can honestly argue, like, well, you know, George dominated the whole entire game against Tennessee. Sure, Tennessee also missed a few opportunities to cut to a one-score game. That Oregon game was done after five minutes in the first quarter. I mean, it was be- I mean, it was an absolute beatdown. So I think we just went out. We take care of business. We don't struggle against Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. All these teams, we should beat them by at least one, two scores without a doubt. We're in. 
Um, we can only really control what we can control at this point. And honestly, who really has faith that TCU is going to like wind up beating Texas twice and going up? Well, the thing is, Drew, like with that, like if you know, talking about that, we need to blow out these teams we play. I think you just win, and we should obviously get in. Like it might be ugly, you know, to finish out the season. We've seen worse happen in UT where we like thought that the season, you know you know, playing that trip at the end of the season and saw it fall mm-hmm. on their face. That's not going to happen with this staff. But when you look yeah. at TCU's schedule, man, every single game they've trailed going into the second half and had to fight their way back. And mm-hmm. as a first-year head coach under Sonny Dykes, obviously inherited a great program. His family has a legacy there. Cool. I understand the story. I understand that they're undefeated. But, man, like, they they just came back and barely beat Oklahoma State, who's, like, awful this year. Like, oh, yeah. it, it, just, it just blows my mind to see them kind of, like, get that jump. And you have Tennessee – was like what now three and one against top 25 teams or like against uh top 10 teams yeah i mean like, no i mean absolutely and i agree with you on that but the thing is, is like for the time being for right now you still have to put that undefeated tcu team who's still a power five team as you know we can argue if they're talent wise if they really are but like they're still an undefeated team regardless of the end of the day you still have to respect that for the time being and we all know it's going to work out. I mean, we all know that, like, they're going to get a loss. They're probably going to take an L to, you know, if they don't take an L to Texas this weekend, they definitely will in three weeks in their conference title game. And the Vols are going to be in it. I mean, we're in a good situation. We don't need to get fucking fair, get furious, and have our pick I'm four. I'm pissed off, man. I'm pissed off, LA, baby. LA, Walmart. Right. We, don't, we don't need that. <laughs> Where's Jeff Massey is? Like, I mean, folks just got to chill the fuck out, man. Like, it's just listen, way too heated over something. It's, it's crazy not to me. important right now. Wins over top 10 teams, Tennessee, two, Georgia, two, number seven, LSU, one, TCU, Oregon, Ohio State, Michigan, and USC combined, zero. Yeah, I mean, zero. no, I, I agree. I mean, like, in Tennessee has three top, you know, with the current tw- top 25, they have three wins within top 25 teams because somehow one way or another, Kentucky's in the top 25. I have no yeah. idea how they got in. Which is we more also, of an 18 team in college football, but, like, regardless, though, we control our own destiny. We still have like a 65% chance of making the playoff, and I think we're going to be fine. See, right. I, was about to, I was about to bring that up that like even though even though TCU is number four right now, they I saw like on the bottom of the ESPN ticker, they got the lowest percent chance to make the college football playoff at like 17%. Like Georgia was in at 91, Ohio State in at like 80s, Michigan I think was in like the 60s, then TCU at 17, and then we're in at like 68%. Like you said, I mean, you as a as the committee, you can't – rightfully put a one-loss Tennessee team above an undefeated TCU team when TCU's just done everything that you've asked for them to do. So, I mean, like, I don't I don't really know where else people expected us to be. If anything, you should be enraged if we were lower than five, but five seemed like to be our ceiling, and I think that's a very good spot to be in. So that's why that number one ranking was so important, so that we didn't have much room to drop. You know what I'm saying? If we were, like, two or three, maybe we would fall farther, but still I think being one helped cushion that fall just to five. Um, and that whole that whole bullshit that uh, that Kirk said the the only argument for that Oregon Georgia game is that it happened in week one, okay? But you still lost by forty six. Okay, you look like you ain't never even played a game of football before if you go out there and lose by forty six. Like I know it's a different game by now, but like forty six and fourteen do not equate. There is no. no way, shape, or form that you can say. That those two teams are equal, and that loss is the exact same. I'm sorry. No, I agree. And they're just they're just saying this, Alex, just because they know that us redneck ball fans will get you know, we'll, we'll get a reaction out. <laughs> That's the only reason. They they know better. They know uh, better. 
And I know like Bear over from ESPN also said as well, um, you know, fake Bear, not the real Bear at Fan oh, Radio. I was about to fake say. ESPN. Uh, yeah, fake Bear at ESPN. He was even trying to say it's basically the same thing. If anything, he was trying to argue that the loss that Oregon had against Georgia actually looks better because, you know, they've turned it around, which I think it don't makes matter. no fucking sense. I mean, we haven't had a chance to turn it around yet. Like, what? It's we don't have to turn around anything because we've just been whooping ass all season. It's an outrage. Like, how do you how do you turn something around if you're just that good? Okay? You had to turn that around because you lost by 46. Like, if you didn't turn it around, you'd be screwed. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Oh, it is. It just blew my mind when this same panel last week was saying that, you know, TCU had to have separation and have to, you know, improve against lower-ranked teams for them to be, like, a serious threat that they just weren't seeing enough with their halftime trails. And then this week says that they've been doing enough while playing, like, while dissing them at the same time. I forgot the exact comment. But it was, you know, like, obviously, when it comes down to it, strength of schedule, um, our wins, if, we, if our only loss is to, you know, the number one, obviously, unanimous team, and they kind of screw us out, that whole, like, A&M vibe, how A&M got left out a few years ago, it would just, you know, pal pissed off as an understatement, Drew. Right. But, like – when you look at the opponent overall, like opponent records, like Tennessee and LSU are tied at the top, 50 and 31, like their opponents, like it's, you know, they're playing main competition. Obviously LSU a two loss team, but they went out there, caused two earthquakes and beat Alabama in overtime, like absolutely crazy. And then you have Georgia. We didn't even mention that scenario. Like if LSU wins out and somehow beats Georgia in the, the SEC championship and we don't get in, can but, you believe but- <laughs> I, I understand that, but dude, you I, like honestly, I don't know. Even if, if LSU wins out and they win the SEC championship, if you put a two loss LSU team, because be the first in history. Because if, if you look at their two losses, I mean, you know, I know that first game against Florida State was, as I think all of us would agree, was a fluke. I mean, that was yeah. just the yeah. most chaotic football game imaginable. But then they lost to us by four touchdowns at home. Like you can't. You can't put a two-loss LSU team in there who won the SEC championship and beat Georgia, but leave an 11-1 Tennessee team out whose only loss was to the number one, the AP number one you know team in the yeah. country. So, I think honestly, you win, you win your last three, you're in. Honestly, I think if we went out, I think you could be see number Tennessee three at the three spot, which I personally I would hate because I, I want to I want to go to Atlanta. Um, because it's three hours away for all of us. Oh, except for Alex. That's yeah, it's two like, hours ten, like, like ten. Ten, <laughs> a ten hour drive. But it would be all a road trip for the ATB crew and the boys, right? Uh, but uh, honestly, if we want to make it to the S- national championship, being at three and potentially playing Ohio State or Michigan, and I guarantee it, if we play Michigan, we we whip their ass. I oh, think we yeah. whip their ass. Or four touchdowns. I, mean, I think we whip Ohio State's ass. I don't like know. to say that, man. Like, I would love to go out to Arizona and uh, California and SoFi Stadium, you know, back to back weeks for for personal reasons. I'm not going to say why, course, but yeah, I mean, there's things you know more legal there. But obviously, man, you obviously match up why I still want to play Ohio State just because, like, we saw what happened when they played Northwestern this past weekend, man. It's just an outrage, like. Before, like for a, yeah, man, like they, oh, it was awful, yeah. man. I, I get the win was a factor, but that doesn't stop you know CJ Stroud from being mid, right? And like CJ Stroud didn't even have 100 yards passing, he only had 75 yards passing, like 21 like, to 7 to dude, one, like, it, like that. That's the thing. And if there's any moronic Ohio State listeners listen to that show, which I know there's at least one. There's one. He has no business at, at this point after that performance to have even an argument that he deserves to be the Heisman winner over Hennett Hooker. I'm sorry. Even even Hendon, as bad as he played, 
last Saturday, which was his worst performance at Tennessee, he still had 195 passing yards and over 200 yards total. You know, so can you imagine? Bomb. He's a bomb. <laughs> have you seen have you seen the uh the the Stetson Bennett Heisman mentions here lately after he played against us? Yeah, can you imagine can you imagine if if you know Hendon went out there, he went three for three in his last games, all blowouts, crazy stats, added to his historic season, and they go out there, he goes into New York and they pull a 1998 or 97 on us 97. and give it yeah, 97 and give it to freaking Stetson, bro. I'll tell you this right now. If that's gonna happen. I'm buying a pitchfork at Walmart. I'm driving my 2004 gold Jeep Cherokee all the way up to New York and protesting. No doubt about it. That's a that that would be an absolute shame if that happened. No doubt about that would it. Be a shame. <laughs> I, I wanted to touch on the comment earlier. Um, you know, obviously on Georgia, like if we meet them again, uh, obviously in Atlanta, that's going to favor them like a lot. Like you know, down there, like I feel like that will if we catch them, you know, in the end and so far. I feel like we have like a lot of a lot of fans on the West Coast. It's going to be harder for us to get out there. I think that's going to be terrible for the two fan bases. But like, I think that there's you know, it won't be what we saw this past Saturday. And I don't think the pre-snap things would be a, a problem. I think you. I think you're underestimating Vol fan zone Atlanta. There's a shit ton over there. I mean, a shit ton. And honestly, that's the easiest trip out of all of the scenarios. I was going to say, like you I said, would, we I would say, you know, I still think it would be like majority Georgia fans for sure. But I think you could see easily like a 60-40 as far as that crowd goes. Uh, well, I, that was one thing that I was kind of upset about, like all like the talk of like, you know, kind of taking over how we did LSU. Like, I you know, I didn't hear it on the TV. Like I heard LSU and Baton Rouge, like how we traveled to Baton Rouge. And yeah. like if that does happen, like we definitely – I know the ticket prices are going to be insane. Obviously, it was crazy to get into Georgia alone. But it's going to be on that same rate probably going into the end of the Atlanta game. So – like you gotta think though, Brando, yeah. we had a we had a way different start to that LSU game. Like there was the there was the muff kicked off that left to a touch that led to a touchdown, then a field goal falling right after the the big D Williams punt return. Like we we took the wind out of their sails early. They didn't have nothing to cheer about. Literally, I mean, literally that first, literally the opening kickoff changed it ruined the game. It ruined like, the game for LSU. It, I, like going back to the Georgia game as well. I think that was the one thing that kind of rattled our guys more than anything else is like when you really think about our two road games prior to that were Pittsburgh, which was, you know, a half filled stadium, you know, and granted, even then I think it was like wound up 10 or 12,000 ball fans traveling for that one. And and at 11 AM, you know, kickoff in Tiger stadium over there in Baton Rouge as well. Yeah. I mean, they're just waking up. I mean, you combine the fact with the Georgia game where it's the biggest game probably in Sanford stadium in a decade. Easily the biggest game between the two programs in several years among that rivalry. And also, you know, being a 330 kickoff, I mean, it was just a recipe for it being a rowdy and chaotic environment. And fair play to them. I mean, honestly, their fans, I don't, first of all, I don't believe that they were 130 on the decimal level. I think, uh, that, no, shot. I think oh, heck no, heck no, they allows us. I'll just tell you that they're not allows us. They never will be. They could try to act like that, but they ain't. But, Fair play to their fans on having a chaotic environment and then having their guys rattled because, honestly, after that Stetson touchdown and that bullshit punt, how miraculously, like, oh my like God. curled 90 degrees. And that was literally Trevor Daniel. Like, that was I Trevor mean, Daniel again. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I mean, that was even a better punt than the Trevor Daniels one. I mean, it was absurd. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just it was it was a combination. It wasn't going to work. But, you know, it's fine. I Like I told you right at the start of our show, I still think, if we play them in Atlanta, or especially if we play them in LA, I like our shot. 
Because I, you know, I mean, I just, I, really I think these boys just got, they got blood, you know, like they want blood, they want revenge. And I think they can do it. The last, the last thing I'm going to say before, before we switch to the Mizzou game is like the closest home game that Georgia's had this season was the Kent State game by 17 points. You know what I'm saying? So if they didn't yeah. show up and be loud for this game, then they're just ridiculous and they're ungrateful. You know, like, I mean, like point blank, they just, they are just terrible fans, which, we know that they're not. They do show up. They show up every Saturday. And if, like, if you if you didn't show up to a number one versus number one in a different poll ranking, then you're just a loser. Like this is the yeah. this is the premier college football event all last weekend. It, even even prior to the one and one ranking, this was their biggest home game of the year because Auburn. We all knew Auburn was going to be awful this year, and like they just I mean, they didn't they haven't played anybody at home this year. I mean, like I think they played you know Kent State. Uh, Samford, the D2 school, Vanderbilt, and a couple other schools, and that's it. So, I mean, it was always a game. They're going to circle around. They they fucking hate our guts, I can tell you that personally, oh, from yeah. growing up over there. Yeah, and, of course. And, you know, They're still talking about it, bro. Well, that's I mean, the thing, like, yeah, like, you know how we, like, joke around with Kentucky, how, like, we're their Super Bowl? Like, that's how it kind of felt this past week, because they knew that really, truly deep down, like, Tennessee was that one real threat. And, yeah, props to them. They found the blueprint, but, like, saying, you know, in a couple of weeks from now, if we make it into the college football playoffs, which we should, like we're going to see us again if it's not in the first round or the championship. And I just think that like all things are going to be on the table with the offense. So I thought not only like, you know, where we rattled, but the play calling, like the stuff we usually do, the simple screens outside to kind of set things up, it just wasn't there. And yeah. I would love to see, you know, Tennessee kind of go out there and take their whole shot, leave everything on the table, even if that leads, you know, putting plays in danger, you know, a defensive touchdowns for them, like go out there, you know, execute with our talent because you saw what's going to happen when it gets depth wise like they have all the depth in the world to go play with you but on the yeah. thing I can, I can point at their talent right and point at Georgia's talent you look at Alabama they have more four and five stars than them and you know we went out there one by three so this game is definitely you know winnable um obviously you know 85 percent of the roster is blue chip players but when we see them again man like Heupel's you know definitely going to mastermind something up like you know him and Golish yeah. aren't going out there and getting stopped like that again no but, yeah, there's and, just no way. And I think also people need to look at this perspective as well. If we wind up facing them in, again this year, that means that we made the playoff. And honestly, it's a win-win situation for us anyway because they, it means that we made the college football playoff for the first time in school history, yeah. first time having a shot at the national title in 21 years. And, B, if we win it, you know, great. Then we have, you know, our first national title game in 24 years. So, like, all we always got to, you know, it's, it's tough losing these games. Trust me, I – I hate losing, especially in football, but it's important to look in perspective. And, you know, we just got to, you know, we're going to be fine. We're going to be all good. And we're going to kick the fucking shit out of Missouri on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess going into Missouri, like, obviously last year we saw what happened with that, like the first year Heifel team. That was like the first big explosion game. Went into, you know, Columbus and just exposed them, man. You know, put up, you know, crazy amount of points, went crazy. Still had Tyon Evans, you know, out there breaking free. Uh, I still expect the same exact thing when they come in here this week. I haven't forgot about, you know, the the one player's comments way back. We're 3-0 and since that one Missouri player tweeted on Twitter talking about, you know, seeing Nealon, um, you know, Drinkowitz's comments, you know, about post Pruitt and like our whole scheme and everything like that. And his kind of smart mouth. He's definitely been talking on the offseason. Uh, and then just going out there and proving a point, getting revenge, lighting the fire under this team after this past week. I definitely think they're not going to overlook this one. Um, which is huge, you know, coming off and loss like that because it being a noon kickoff and kind of early. I know it's senior day and it's going to be like a lot of emotions. Go out there and play your best football. Don't start slow. Get up there early again 
and don't even leave a doubt, man. Just go out there and kind of smack him around. Obviously, Missouri had a, you know, a good defensive performance on paper against when they played Georgia, but Georgia definitely let off the gas in that game. Uh, Missouri's really played nobody. I, I truly think that we're going to go out there and kind of just run our offense. It's going to be key to see, like, our defense. I'm not confident in Brady Cook for them, but it'll still be, like, a huge uh, stepping stone going forward, you know. I thought we saw our best defensive game. So if we can get more locked in, man, uh, take care of offense, get back on track. If this team can come complete in this game and focus, you know, get ready for the rest of the season, don't fall short. Don't let the, you know, the media get to you. Go out there, handle business. It'll be a huge week. Obviously, the main thing, I'm going to be super emotional. Jalen Hyatt, Hendon Hooker, Jerome Carvin, like so many guys, Trayvon Flowers on this team that have been here for four years, didn't get their shot at first, you know, stayed through all the stuff. Tennessee lost 30 players. They stayed here, believed in Tennessee, believed in the power T, believed in hype on the new staff. And it's going to all show off this weekend. And I know it's going to be a super hard-hitting thing, man, because Tennessee football dropped that little teaser video, got a little TMI. And, you know, man, like, it's just crazy. Like, I think after this year, we're going to kind of look back at those guys and really value them as well for lives. <clears throat> we need to do it this weekend, man, because this is the best team, point-blank period. Like, the milestones we've had this year, is it's unreal. And it's all because of these players. Uh, go ahead, Alex. Go ahead. Oh, you sure, Drew? Uh, yeah, of course. Okay, I was going to say, um, yeah, I mean, Senior Day is always so emotional, and uh, we got somebody in the comments asking, uh, is uh, B. Shevlo asking, what, who is our favorite player on this team? I kind of want to reformat that question and say, like, who's our favorite senior on this team to respect and show appreciation for those seniors, or maybe even people that we might suspect that are going to the draft. I don't know if we've heard any rumblings about anybody. Um, but pick a favorite senior. Who's your favorite senior from this year's team? Oh, I mean, it's got to be Hendon Hooker, man. I mean, you know, he's, in my opinion, he's the best quarterback Tennessee's had since Peyton Manning. Uh, I mean, you know, he he just – the complete turnaround he had, especially compared to last year, as well as especially from that first game against Missouri. I mean, his first game against – or not Missouri, Pittsburgh, was phenomenal. But, dude, I mean, he went from being, you know, a lot of people thought an all-SEC quarterback potentially to, I mean, a Heisman frontrunner. And we haven't had anyone like that around here almost, you know, in 25 years. I mean, really since Peyton. And yeah. just being that vocal leader and turning around and just being the face of the program. And he's just, he's a great ambassador for the university. Um, and I think like he's going to go and wind up as being one of the greatest quarterbacks has ever played at Tennessee football. Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely have to be him. I mean, is y'all, maybe one of y'all can give me an answer to this. Cedric Tillman, is he. Is he a senior this year, technically? Is a he, he, yeah, he has a year left. Obviously, it's going to be key to kind of see what happens there after the whole season and not only really getting back fully this past weekend for Georgia. How he <laughs> finishes the season is probably going to be key. But, you know, that's going to be one definite look at to see. That would help us a lot if he did come back. But I fully expect him to probably capitalize on the draft stock. I think he will, too. But, like, if I probably, as far as, like, the story-wise, I mean, you know, Hooker has a great story, but I – I think it's hard to argue otherwise that anyone has a better story in this team than Tillman did, especially considering, you know, he wasn't really a big-time prospect coming out of high school. Really, only, I mean, he only had four receptions within the first two years at Tennessee. Was, you know, on the back – I mean, the back of the, you know, depth chart at the wide receiver position under Pruitt and then just merged, I mean, just this breakout star and being one of the best wideouts in the country. But, man, I mean, you know, it's hard for me to say even A players just because this whole entire senior class and this team is it's so special. Uh, I mean, this is, as y'all know, this is like a team that we have dreamed of 
since. Literally. You know, I mean, since being kids, being ball fans, like, he's he talking talk. So, like, um, you know, I mean, it's it's hard to say, but I, I will, I'll be honest with you, man. I mean, I'm going to be fucking teary out there and kneeling on Saturday. Absolutely. When, you know, yeah. when I see these guys run through the teeth for the one last time. I think – yeah, I think uh, obviously offensively, I'll keep it with a receiver, uh, Jalen Hyatt, just how he rebounded, you know, as a freshman year, uh, had that one big play against Bama. Last year, he lost his spot, you know, was underweight the majority of the game, came back in the Purdue Bowl game. This year, he took full leadership and, you know, went out there against Bama, five touchdowns and six catches, absolutely ridiculous, you know, crazy, crazy performance. He's lived up to all the high, broke the freaking receiving touchdown record and is on pace, you know, still finished crazy if he, you know, gets back right in these next three games. Defensively, one I didn't mention, man, Jeremy Banks. Yes. Totally. Jeremy Banks, man. It's just crazy, man. A redshirt senior, uh, I had to make sure it was real. Um, a guy that went through it all, man, like from the dash cam video way, way back, you know, Pruitt saying, I've never seen Chili sit like this in my life. So him rebounding, becoming a full team leader. Last year, you know, was encouraged to go to the drafts, came back, gave the staff an extra year. I feel like that's a guy that's become a, a true leader, a true man as a Tennessee volunteer, you know, not just as a, you know, a football player, but a legit man and like changing his life around um, to see him go to the NFL. He definitely is an athletic freak. And I think he can definitely adapt, you know, only playing linebacker two years when he gets to that next level, man, he's going to be a special, special guy with the story. Well, I think, I think another guy that we're forgetting about is uh, big Byron young, you know, coming out of high school, he wasn't, he, he was like, uh, managing something or working something. Yes, but he was a uh, he was an assistant store manager at Dollar General three years ago. That's it. Yeah, all saw a form for Georgia Military College and wound up trying out for them and then making the team. And well, exactly. rest is history. Yeah, I mean it's it's is it's almost as inspiring as the. Well, I don't want to compare the two, but it's a similar like rags to riches story, like Hendon Hooker with getting uh getting benched at Virginia Tech with a, a medical issue and then coming over here and finding his way. I mean, like you said, dude was managing Dollar General, lucks up into into football at that Georgia Military College, then becomes like one of the top defensive ends in the whole country, about to make millions on Sundays. Mm-hmm. I mean, and also let's not forget that this man has BY, his own initials, breaking into his arm. I mean, that's a that's a dog. That's an absolute dog. But Seeing seeing him wreak havoc on the defensive line, especially after we had Derek Barnett, has been so much fun. Just seeing somebody get after the quarterback like he does, Brandon. I'm glad you mentioned Jeremy Banks because he he also had some of those plays where you're like, man, you were so good, but you were so bad at the same. I mean, time. bro, yeah. Speaking of Missouri, like like how we're speaking about Missouri last year, that almost pick six he had early in the game, yes, like bro, yes. he just ran around like running free, like. All the hits, uh, you know, definitely the one on Anthony Richardson this year where he stood over him like Leonard Little. Like, yes. man, there's just so many moments and to, like, know what that guy went through coming from, you know, Cordova, Tennessee, out in Memphis, you know, making his way when, you know, no one thought he would be back on this team. The exactly. defense of Jawan Jennings made his way back, and dang, he became a legend just like that on the other side of the ball. Two kind of, like, you know, similar kind of stories with everything. Man, Jeremy Banks is going to go down as, like, you know, feed the bull is always going to live on. We think of Jeremy Banks, and it's just like mm-hmm. it's crazy. You know, couldn't hold on to the ball on you know offense, and now he's taking the ball away from you on defense, and he's done it well. What a yeah. special story for that kid, man! Like, obviously, it's crazy that we're kind of like haven't even talked about Missouri like that because we're so you know worked up about the seniors. Yeah, like, well, yeah. I mean, seriously, what what all of these kids been through? Everything. Man. 
like they, they everything, through, man. They went through Pruitt. They went through a pandemic, and now they're here almost like, well, were on top of the college football scene and still very much alive in the playoff hunt. I mean, like – I'm just saying. Tennessee is incredible. Tennessee's the number four team in the country. And then you have, you know, those guys that some, yeah, they were forced to leave, but they still left anyway. You know, they didn't want to sit out a year. They didn't want to stay and risk that. And now look at that, you know, Henry Toto, you know, Keyshawn Lawrence, Wanya Morris, Eric Gray, you know, you know, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, various crowds who, you know, who transferred from Michigan State. He's not even playing football anymore, man. So it's like these stories that just keep happening. And then seeing these guys that stayed. Trayvon Flowers, yeah. Jerome Carvin, Jeremy Banks, Cedric Tillman, uh, Ramel Keaton, he's still a senior. Like, I mean, and that's the thing, too, though, is like, you know, and you got to take a perspective, especially, I mean, look at from Jeremy Banks' perspective, guys. Literally one of his very first games that he played at Tennessee was that Georgia State game. I mean, literally one of his very first games in Neyland huh. Stadium. Literally seeing Tennessee at the lowest it has ever been in his program history. And then just to have him be on that same, be at the same program, go through the rock, you know, I mean, absolute rock bottom where we were depleted, brand new coach, nothing going towards our way, and the NCAA investigation, and then go through this in his last game being as a Tennessee volunteer at Neyland Stadium, we're a top five team, and we're in the national championship talks. Like, that's that's why, I mean, that's why, like, he will be regarded at, like, He's in the same status, in my opinion, and a lot of those other guys. That just that whole entire senior class in general, those guys are in the same level as Al Wilson, as Leonard Little, as Dale Carter, as all these guys that we, you know, that we've talked hype about for years. They're the same legendary status. I mean, they'll forever be embedded in Tennessee football history, and deservedly so, because those guys stuck it through it all. They could have left and gone, you know, took the easy way out. They instead stuck it through because they were. You know, all Tennessee, all Vol, and I mean, they deserve nothing but love for the rest of the time they ever come back to Knoxville. They really do. Agreed. 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 Yeah, man. It's just, you know, crazy. Obviously, all the emotions are going to be there. The final home game of the season, you know, then we're on the road. Then we come home back in Nashville taking on Vanderbilt, which basically is a home game. Like, we're going to check it at <laughs> stadium. I fully think the whole checker thing is like a whole thing now that we're winning and doing it. Like, it's just going to be wild to go into there, you know, 10 and 1. Um, you know, probably finish 11 and one just as, you know, we touch up on the Missouri game, the ESPN, the FBI, given Tennessee a 92.8% chance to win. Uh, they have their, you know, quarterback Brady cook. He's, you know, kept him kind of close in that Georgia game, but his stats, man, you know, six touchdowns, seven picks under 2000 passing yards, 163 for 248. Um, their rushing game, not really all that kind of on par a little bit lower than Jabari small. He's averaging, you know, 509 yards, five touchdowns. And then their wide receiver, uh, you know, you would think Luther Burden, they're like, you know, high-impact freshman. Do you love it? Kind of leading their way there. Only 659 yards, two touchdowns on the season. So when you look at our guys, our school guys, obviously our offense, if they come out there on all cylinders, I think that our defense has a chance to kind of suffocate this team. Uh, I just don't think, you know, that we're going to come in, you know, take them non-serious, especially with all that's on the table now. Coming off the loss, senior day, I definitely think it'll be on fire. Um, definitely need that, like, hyping early on defense. Uh, I want the crowd to be wild there, man. I know it's a 12 o'clock, you know, noon kick. But, man, last game of the season, you're going to see the probably the most emotional video packages. Uh, yeah. Tickets aren't that expensive, you know, right now. No matter, like, where you look, people are, you know, they can't go. They're not being too too much with the price. If you can be there, you don't have anything to do Saturday, go to Neyland Stadium, man. Go tailgate for a little bit. Enjoy it one last time this year because if you can't make it for the bowl game or, you know, the college football playoffs, no matter where we end up, 
you're going to kind of look back and be like, dang, like this was the best team in Tennessee in decades. And, you know, I could have had a chance to go do that. So definitely be there, be loud. I definitely think that we should go out there and handle business. I think the key to victories, definitely getting the offense on cylinders. I kind of want to get y'all's probably the same, you know, just seeing that offense get back in rhythm. It's going to have to be probably the number one thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, first thing first, you got the uh, our little thing at the bottom saying that we're playing at three thirty, not at eight. So, oh yeah, yeah. I mean that would, that would, that would yeah. Okay. I don't want to <laughs> listen get a little confused with that because I like it caught me off guard for a second as well. Well, only Dan uh, would believe that. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's for sure. Um, you know, I mean, I'll give Missouri a little bit more credit though. Um, they are they are not very good at offense. That's for sure. Um, only averaging, you know less than 20 points a game for the last five games. Um, but, you know, they have a top, you know, top 15 defense, ranked 14th, only averaging to allow 21 and a half points a game. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to be a little bit similar like how, you know, the Kentucky game was. I think we're going to fire off all cylinders, and you know these guys are going to want to put an absolute beat down after our tough loss last Saturday. And I think we'll easily cover the spread, and I think we'll easily win by four or five touchdowns. What is this oh, yeah. Uh, it's 21. Oh, yeah. I see yeah, I mean, we, we ride online there somewhere, <laughs> but I don't, I don't think this goes exactly like it did last year. Cause I mean, hanging 62 on somebody's kind of wild <laughs> and just, just boat racing them in their own place like that. Uh, but I do kind of see us hanging around like 38 to 42. Um, what you think more Brando? Yeah. I got to like, I know it's not 62, but I got us like scoring like 59 points. Good lord! Yeah, fifty nine to seven. My my final was fifty nine to seventeen. Okay, no, I, I was saying at least forty nine to seventeen. I think that's a little bit more realistic than freaking. Really? Yeah, I mean, like they're going to I mean, guys like they're going to wind up putting in the second, third string in the second half, and we're, I mean, like even Navy Schuler's going to have a couple reps in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking forty two or excessive. I'm gonna say I don't 45. know, man. I don't know if to take him out that early, just because you know, being senior day, like obviously we've got to stay healthy. If we're up, you know, take him out, definitely get healthy for the season. But like, probably let, at least play him play as much as they want to, you know, get that final rep just to be satisfied. But like, right. we're averaging, you know, 200, you know, more yards on offense plus than them. Like our offense is obviously 10 times better than them defensively. Like they're barely giving up, just you know, less yards than us, yards allowed on defense. Most of that coming from the passing game. And I can just imagine, you know, Jalen Hyatt, Brew McCoy, or Seti. Like, cool props to Georgia. Like, they put a game plan to go guard all those three. But I just don't think that, you know, Missouri is going to be able to double one and, you know, leave the other two open. I don't think they have the talent, the speed, or the physicality to, you know, stop us from getting off our gaps and getting open. Right. So I definitely think that, like, this is the game where, you know, Hendon Hooker, here's all those, you know, as he was walking out, all those overrated chants he got, all that stuff, those, you know, being talked about Georgia fans. He's going to come out here and throw for five touchdowns, maybe even two rushing. Like, I have Hendon, you know, being responsible for, like, 90% of the touchdowns. Maybe Jabari Small or Jalen Wright gets in there once the defense scores. But I feel like this is, like, a full grab-the-sticks moment. Hendon Hooker Heisman, um, go out there and just destroy him, man. It's it's Missouri. Hey, with it with it also being senior day, you got to watch out for a QB Princeton fan or a running back Princeton fan or – receiver Princeton fan this is this is one of those games that you like to see those those wild packages get some people some some play calls that they don't normally get so you might you might see him show out a little bit honestly 
Or you might see you might see a different senior show up today. Or hey, I forgot Jacob Warren. Like he, see, yeah, there's so on, many boy. guys on this roster, man. Like so many weapons. Damn, we're losing a lot of guys after this year, aren't we? Hey, well, I, I mean, I, I think they have a lot of them. Defense, <laughs> our defense is, has a ton of leadership on it. There's a lot of seniors on our defense. Oh yeah. I think a majority of our players that could uh, could leave are probably going to come back just, you know, based off that extra year. But we obviously know the ones, you know, that are definitely gone. And Rue McCoy, he could possibly leave. Like, the NFL draft, man, it's not just about, like, what you did during the season. Like, if you have, like, go out and show out at the combine, like, let's say one guy wants to go entertain it. Like, he's just a crazy combine performance, you know, not coming back. So I definitely think, like, you know, Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt, Hendon Hooker, obviously going to be the ones to take advantage of it on the offensive side. Uh, Jeremy Banks, uh, Trayvon Flowers. See, like, it'll be interesting to see if he, you know, gets picked up. But, like, overall, man, like, I think we should be all right going into next year. But it's just, it's just crazy, man. Like, this, this yeah. team is so underappreciated right now. I feel like even though it's a historic season, you know, like, when we truly look back on it, like, obviously, hopefully, there's, like, better years. We keep getting better and better and better. And look back on it in a positive way, not like be like dang like what we had. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely gonna be that one team that historically, offensively, like it's historic what we're doing right now. It's absolutely, absolutely. insane. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think it's like going to be like a one-time thing where like you know after this year we're gonna be you know an eight-nine win middle SEC team. I think I, mean, I think this is the foundation of something that's going to be very special. And Tennessee is going to be. Th- second best team in the east and one of the top three teams in the sec for years to come but yeah no, i mean we got i mean we got to soak it all in i mean this is the best tennessee football team in my lifetime easily the best one one of the best ones since 98 for sure and uh i mean appreciate every moment we got and especially appreciate that last home game on saturday too you know you know what else i i like y'all just keep talking about this it's absolutely asinine to me that people were like People were, like, genuinely mad. I mean, I, I get, like, being disappointed in the outcome. But people were, like, pissed off that we lost to the point that they were just like, oh, like, like we're just – we're not good enough to do it, blah, blah, blah. Bro, first off, the fact that we were in this game says a lot. Still, you look at it, it is our first loss of the season nine weeks in – or ten weeks in, okay? Like, people got people to gotta chill out. Yeah. This, this shit is incredible. Like what? Oh, yeah. What we're witnessing is still incredible, and there there is a hundred percent chance that, or not a hundred percent chance. There's a fantastic chance that we still have, a, like we make the college football playoffs. Everything that we dreamed about and set goals for ourselves this season are still a hundred percent within reach. So the right. fact that fans really were like, "Oh, like we're not good enough," blah blah blah. Okay, it's still way better than anything you thought was going to happen this season. Chill out, dog. You know what I'm saying? God, people piss me off so bad. They they don't look they. They don't read the room. They don't look back, I don't know, like 700 days ago when we were three and seven sitting there twiddling our thumbs asking for handouts and McDonald's bags. Okay? Like, I'm tired of it. I'm so tired of it. Uh, I, I'm with you on that one. And some of the fake yeah. – I agree with you after the game on Saturday. It was ridiculous. Like, those people that are outraged about us losing by two touchdowns to Georgia – are they those were not the same people that were there when we lost to Wyoming at home in 2008 or the Derek Dooley era or when we lost to Georgia State at home really by two touchdowns I mean I know we lost a one but like they really were up by two touchdowns the entire game or the fact they saw us go three and seven in 2020 or or, totally how can I forget go winless in the SEC in 2017 as well like these people that are getting pissed off about it they are 
They're a prisoner of the moment. I mean, that's the perfect that way. To they are way too hooked in the moment and they cannot look at things in perspective. So realistically, we've already exceeded our expectations, guys. I mean, we're eight and one. We're about to about to have a 10 win season and we're in the talks of college football playoff and chances of like playing for a national championship. None of us in the uh, between the three of us had even thought that was a possibility. No, we have the proof. We have the receipts. I yeah. <laughs> None of us thought that. I'll be more than happy. Jesus. But like let's dial it down. We still control our own destiny. And people that are doing this fake outrage, get over yourself. Like quit these childish ridiculous. So so just to you know touch on this historic season, obviously going forward, the one loss, like if you obviously I agree with y'all, if you think that's the end all be ball, like you're stupid. Like we got a chance to make the college football playoffs here, and there's a realistic shot. Milestones this season, man. First number one ranking since 99, obviously. First top 10 win since 06. First top five win since 05. First win against Bama since 06. First eight no start since 98. And the first ever five touchdown game by a wide receiver in the man, Jalen Hyatt himself. Yeah. Like, man, like there's just milestones on milestones. We got three yeah. more football games to play. And the future's bright, man. And, like, we talk about it every week. The kids are taking notice of it. Uh, obviously, yesterday, four-star offensive tackle Bison Lang from Pike Road, Alabama, commits to Tennessee. A huge, huge pickup, 6'5", 345 pounds, like an absolutely beast kid that's going to, you know, fall under LRB. Uh, that's a huge, huge need. Uh, you still got, you know, five-star David Hobbs out there, defensive line, a guy for Rodney Garner that he's probably going to steal late. Sounds like Georgia replaced Alabama in that race. It's a Tennessee-Georgia battle with Tennessee still leading heavy. Uh, the family connection playing a huge part there, recruiting his sister. And her sports. So if they can get the whole family thing vibe going, that would be huge to kind of put Tennessee over the hump. Uh, you got Tyler Scott, cornerback, three-star. It sounds like he's, you know, really interested in the Vols. Could he make a decision soon? That guy, you know, he's a three-star rating. Alabama, Auburn, everyone in the SEC offered him. Definitely a late bloomer in this class blowing up. And then the the real surprise yesterday, three-star running back uh, Khalifa Keith, decommits from Kentucky, been, uh, you know, offered by Tennessee for about a month now. Been on like three visits. It's going to be back here next week. Coming off a of decommit, coming in for his visit. Would not be surprised to see that guy end up a vol in the next week when he comes in here for the Missouri game. So that would be a huge, huge pickup at the running back. Apparently that's like their next Chris Rodriguez, or they've been comparing him to uh, uh, Dudkins from Ole Miss. Like a big body guy that's just like a special talent that's going to blow up late. Definitely would be a huge pickup. Definitely, you know, excited to see these 2023s, you know, especially this year who didn't give this staff the chance early on in their recruitment when they first got here, didn't really trust them, haven't really trusted them. You're still seeing it with, you know, how he missed out on Cardinal Tate and Francis. But now, you know, putting it on the field, getting back in these conversations. Uh, you know, we had a basketball early signing day today, but, you know, football early signing day coming right around the corner. And I've heard a lot of things like Nico, Shandavian Bradley, Sham Uberob, and a bunch of other guys in this class are going to be early enrolled. And if we make it to the college football playoffs, those kids are getting playoff practice experience before year one and already looking at this class. You're like, like it's special in general. So to get that kind of, you know, practice under your belt, if we can get Nico in there practicing with like hooker and, you know, Joe going into the playoffs, man, and learning that system, like that just excels that kids, you know, chance to, you know, start next year. And that's going to be obviously a huge story in the off season, but just recruiting overall, man, definitely some names to watch. And Tennessee's definitely getting back in on some battles that they were at completely out of it's, it's it's insane yeah no i mean i think if i think really people really need to realize like how important it is if we are able to get these kids like nico and Jadavian bradley especially if they are able to play in these like you know playoffs you know practices 
and have like a couple rests in there. It played huge for Gerald Mincy when he transferred mm-hmm. to Florida because he had about those two weeks where he practiced with the team before the Music City Bowl. And I, I mean, you know, I mean, it it gives you such a massive advantage compared to everyone else, especially considering if you're already into that system by the end of the year and especially start off with spring practice. So, uh, I mean, this recruiting class is going to be unbelievable. You know, this is kind of like what we all really waited for, (laughs) you know, like having like a five-star quarterback, several, you know, loaded Saudi guys on defense as well. And I mean, and who knows? Maybe, maybe Nico, Jadavian, a couple other guys. We might be adding a couple more five stars by the end of, you know, by December or so. So, I mean, I think it's an exciting time. And even if the drop-off, you know, if a lot of guys were losing this year, I don't think it's going to be that much of a drop-off going into next year. There's going to be a couple guys you're going to need to replace for sure. But, I mean, when you're considering that, like, our quarterback options are either going to be Joe Milton or Nico and, you know, can't forget Traven Jackson either, we're in a good spot, guys. I mean, like, it's been a long time where we've kind of, like, had that much talent in the quarterback room you know, competing for a starting position. So I think folks should be more excited. Um, still not take away from this year as well, especially. But, I mean, guys, future's bright on Rocky Top. Things are only getting better. Not only we're a football school back, you know, once again, we're also a basketball school or a baseball school. Quite honestly, we're fucking great at everything. I mean, and, oh, yeah. you know, and there's not anything that anyone can do about it either. No, absolutely. I think, I think the worst thing that could happen for the college football landscape is for the balls to get good. Because if, if that's, that story out of Columbus, Ohio is true, them coaches telling Carnell Tate not to come visit, I mean, people are scared. People are scared of us getting good again. Because like you said, I don't, I really do not think this is just a flash in the pan. Do we take a step back next year? I do kind of predict that we do. But I mean, when have we ever, let's say, let's say we finish 11 and one and we'll talk about like postseason stuff later when it comes. But let's say we finish 11 and one. When have we ever followed up an 11 and one season with like a nine and three consistently like that? You know what I'm saying? Or like when is when is like you're saying, Drew, when is the talent dropped off from season to season? Yeah, I mean, I think we I think we do lose maybe one or two more games next season, but that's vastly different from being five and seven and hoping like, dang, I hope we make it to the Music City Bowl next year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or us going yeah. like six and six and and going somewhere and then be like, I hope we can build on this and make it to a better bowl, like, oh, I don't know, the tax slayer bowl. Like when like when have we been yeah. here? Okay. Uh, yeah. We literally thought after that 2014 season, like uh, six and six, we're like, my God, guys, this is it. Like, we're, yeah. we're turning things around. By two years from now, we're going to have a nine-win season, and we're going to we're going to play in the out. I mean, like, it's it's different levels, and, like, it's just – it's a different feel with this coaching staff. It's like, you know, like, yeah, you're going to have a drop-off next year, but it's not going to go from, like, being a 10, 11, 12-win team to six wins next year. Like the expectation now for next year, and I'm sure within the next several months before our opener against Virginia, um, we'll talk about it. But this they set the they set the bar now. We're like you know, eight nine wins next year is the bare minimum. But if if we're nine three next year, that's great, that's fine. Um, But I mean, but this is the standard they put, and you know, like. And that's where you want to be. I mean, like, you know, and we shouldn't worry about it. I think, like, if anything, we should be fired up again. That Like, we're in these conversations where teams like Ohio State, as Alex mentioned, are telling recruits, do not go visit. Like, because they're – because, you know, they, things can only be going well if other schools are telling they're you not terrified. To. Oh, yeah. Terrified. They, and, they tell them to come visit in recent in recent years. They'd be like, oh, the balls, the three and seven balls, yeah, go catch a game if you want to yeah. go. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, please go visit. You'll see how embarrassing it is. Man, and it's crazy to, like, you know, talk about drop-offs, but we forget we didn't even mention, you know, talking all the recruiting. The, the junior college kids we can go after, the transfer portal is definitely a thing. And, like, Alex Gold is, you know, quoted this week. He was like asked, you know, like, are y'all, you know, ready for the offseason, if, you know, seeing positions and needs? He's like, yeah, we've been doing that since week one. So there's definitely going to be guys, and you can have those conversations now, or your teammates can have conversations. Your players can go talk to one of their old friends from school and be like, hey, like, hey, man, you want to go ball? Like, we're, you know, 9-1, and 8-1, and one, and, you know, out here ball and going to the college football playoff in year two. So obviously a lot of guys might get processed. A lot of guys will leave. A lot of guys will move on. But there's, you know, there's no reason that with the replica on the field, like the blueprint out there, what we want to do that, you know, guys are going to be lining up crazy to kind of just hop in. Obviously, you got to keep on winning, win big games, and get to that final stage. But if you get into the college football playoffs, you're basically promised a top five recruiting class for the next five years. If in the SEC, we saw it with A&M, Georgia, Bama, you get in, you're, you're going to skyrocket no matter what. Uh, I kind of wanted to, you know, hop in. Obviously, talked a lot of football. We're kind of leaving out the boys, the basketballs, and the lady balls. Obviously, the lady balls falling short yesterday. They got a lot to clean up. A lot of big news for the basketballs today, like obviously coming off the Tennessee Tech game, but I wanted to just, you know, solidify the 2023 class. We had four early uh, enrollee signees. Cameron Carr committed yesterday, four-star combo guard, 87th player nationally. Huge, huge pickup. Uh, roommate of Cade Phillips at school, his school. That was a huge kind of surprise, not knowing where he was going to kind of end up. Uh, obviously, Freddie DeLone, four-star combo guard, the number 24th overall player in the country, fifth combo guard. A huge pickup who just dropped like what 36 points last night after his commitment signed today. Joseph Estrella, the number 39 player overall, number seven center. Tennessee and Rick Barnes getting a lot of help down low to go with Toby Awaka last year. And now this huge blue chip guy for this year. A much needed piece down low, I think that Tennessee needed. And then Cade Phillips, obviously, a, a power forward, Alabama legacy, ends up at Tennessee, has a story to, you know, write for himself. All in all, a huge, uh, great class, huge additions that are going to, you know, benefit t- Tennessee in the next years when we lose some guys like Josiah and Sandy. But let's just touch on that game this past week, Drew. How did you uh, come away from the first game against Tennessee Tech? Obviously, we got the dub, but it wasn't pretty in the first half. The second half, way, way better, more beautiful basketball. What were your kind of takeaways from that game? Yeah, no, I mean, I thought we struggled a little bit offensively in the first half, which, I mean, you know, you should, I mean, you should expect, especially for a season opener, it doesn't matter if you have, like, the most better guys out there. Like, those first, you know, first game jitters and everything are still real for him. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, we, we won by 32. So, I mean, like, it's hard to, like, really complain that much about it. The one big, t- like, takeaway for me, or two really, is that, and guys, Tyreek Key, what a dog. dog. I mean, what Just a dog. as good as advertised, dog. What a dog. I mean, shooting 50% from the three-point line. You know, leading the team with 17 points in his Tennessee debut. I mean, I think a lot of us thought, like, he would be a good addition. But, I mean, honestly, I feel like, you know, and we'll see more of him, you know, when we play a a pretty decent Colorado team on Sunday. But they're going to find a way, one way or the other, put him in that starting five. Um, Another thing, and I I know you guys are going to be surprised about the stat. We shot 44 three-pointers. Yeah. 44 three-pointers on Monday. I have, you know, like, I know Rick – it's crazy to think, you know, two years ago when we had Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson and all of them, where we were taking so many shots within 10 or 15 feet from the basket and weren't shooting the three at all. And within less than two years, we're now shoot, uh, like 80% of our shots in that game on Monday were three corners. I mean, 44 in the first game is just, it's absolutely bonkers. Um, 
And I think, you know, I mean, I think it just speak. I, sh- I think it shows that like Rick Barnes is willing to change some things and uh, really try to have a different layout offensively because he knows the game's evolving. So, I mean, and that's like what a lot of teams are doing now. I mean, we're trying to play the same pace and level as teams like Auburn, you know, trying to shoot a lot of threes and things like this. And I think, I think we're only going to get better. I mean, we still, in the grand scheme of things, went 31% from the three-point line, which isn't really that bad. Mm-hmm. And it will only get better once our guys get more comfortable over there. Um, I think the one thing that we have to realize as well is, uh, A, I mean, I love Eurosh. Eurosh is a great guy. But, uh, I mean, we can't we can't expect too much out of him this year, okay? I mean, uh, I know he had 13 points against Gonzaga. Uh, but I'm starting to think this is just what – just what Eurosh says, which is, you know, be a big body, you know, downside, can't score, can't really move. Kamwa, I mean, I know he had a big offseason this year, and a lot of people are talking big about him, but um, maybe it will show more in the game on Sunday, but I just wasn't really impressed that much with our bigs. I think Julian Phillips, though, he's going to improve tremendously. It kind of seemed like, I don't know if y'all would agree with this, but it kind of seemed like he was forcing a lot of shots. Yeah, yeah, those early threes, a a little forced, but he kind of, you know, at least he was getting back there, man. He had a, a few huge blocks in that game. The, obviously, the one sending that one outside. Uh, definitely saw why he was a five-star, you know, blue-chip right. player. But I feel like those threes, like, he definitely was, like, kind of, like, trying to rush to get used to things and kind of get in the rhythm. Um, not really, you know, used to seeing that in our offense. Obviously, you see, like, a lot of pass around to get that open shot. Definitely want to see that. The overall threes, I wasn't mad at the overall threes. Uh, obviously, you know, the, the first half percentage being awful, but finishing over 31%. And then, you know, being, you know, 100% at the free throw line, man. I know it was Tennessee Tech and the free throws didn't matter, but it was just oh huge God. to see that finally after last year, I thought. Oh, God. So, As you say, like, especially yeah. seeing Kenny Chandler go, like, 65% from yeah, the line and, like, in a way was, like, a complete liability for us. Um, I'm You know, I hope this is a trend onwards to something because – Honestly, that's that's where you're going to win games right there. If you're able to shoot consistently 80, 85, 90% or even beyond from the free throw line, that is the difference more than anything else, and especially in those big games. And I think, you know, Colorado on Sunday is going to be a really good game, really fun, you know, contested game. Obviously, Nashville should be a good, decent crowd for us nonetheless. But this is a team last year that beat Arizona when they were number two team in the country. And, I mean, they made the NIT last year, but, you know, they've made the NCAA tournament five of the last ten years. So, they're not a bad basketball program. They're actually kind of underrated in a sense. Um, and I think it's going to be a good test. I mean, I'm excited looking forward to watching it. Yeah, I think, obviously, uh, a lot to clean up going into Colorado. But this is probably the most loaded roster we've had in, like, a while, just of overall talent. And seeing guys that were switching in and out, like Josiah Jordan James, obviously had a lot of shoulder issues in the, in the offseason, but – Came in and, you know, came off the bench, still had a good game, you know, wasn't scared to go out there and make contact, drove to the basket, kind of got the team, I felt like, going for a little bit there, just using his leadership. And to have him, Sandy, and even though Euros isn't like a playmaking factor on the bench, like, you know, energy-wise, seeing that guy at all the Spire tailgates, like, I know they're all bringing the energy. This team is definitely all on good chemistry. Uh, I don't think it's going to be – it's going to be really hard for a team to get under our nails and stop us from playing from Tennessee basketball. That defense looked as nasty as ever. Uh, obviously a huge game to shot in Nashville, kind of getting back to the Nashville fans after Penny did a study last year, you know, taking the Nashville fun away, pulling out as we were already in the stadium. I was in my seat last year for that game, man. I was, I was going to my first Tennessee basketball game. I was so happy we were going to beat Memphis and, you know, Penny pulls out of the game. So hopefully this year, uh, the Colorado, are they the Boulders? Yeah. Uh, no, Buffaloes. 
Buffaloes. Colorado Buffaloes. So. Hopefully, you know, um, they have uh, some good sportsmanship show out. I definitely want to see all orange. If you're not going to the game in Missouri and you're from the mid-state, go to Bridgestone Arena. $10 for a ticket right now. General admission is $10. Like, there's seats available. Go out there and be loud. I know a lot of people haven't seen Tennessee play in basketball, but this is a team that, you know, you probably want to go and see those games early because this season, looking down to it, like, on paper, man, like, if they get it all together, mm-hmm. if those three points fall, even though we're taking 44 attempts, like, if we even hit close to 40% of those, like, we're going to be a team to be unbeaten with. And that's just crazy. Like, finishing strong in football, you're so used to getting to that time of the year, looking forward to basketball because football wasn't going our way. We have a college football playoff to look forward to. And then, you know, talking about the possibility of Rick Barnes getting to, like, a Final Four Elite Eight. Like, it's just crazy to see. And everything's on the table, Alex. Like, true. Like, it's just it's just wild, man. You got Josh Heifel and Rick Barnes, like, the two sheriffs of Tennessee right now. And they're yeah, both about to be killers. Dude, no, like I, it's. I'm glad you brought that up. That like, most of the time we sit here like just begging for basketball season to come by. Dude, I didn't even realize like basketball season was starting until I started seeing like uh, I have tweet notifications on for Tennessee basketball, and they started tweeting, and I was like, wait, hold on, like, <laughs> what y'all played today? <laughs> like, that, I mean, that's crazy that that again we're still in the spot with football. But I drew mentioned it earlier, like, what a time, what a time to be a Tennessee fan right now because yeah, like. Every you can't even you can't even stop to enjoy one sport because there's so many other sports to enjoy at the same time. Like, yeah, Lady Vol basketball, they they dropped a tough one to Ohio State. Honestly, should have won it. They were controlling most of it. Had a really bad third third quarter where they gave up as many points as they did in the first half. Again, there's still a lot to figure out there. They've got new pieces moving around too. But they, I mean, they started preseason number five in the country. Men's basketball started preseason number eleven, and we still have we still have ball football at number five. So I mean, like you look at you look around the around our uh, whole entire university. There's top ten, top five, top fifteen programs everywhere. Like if you if you board one day, look like Google Tennessee sports, and you probably find a top ten team of ours playing or something. You know, uh, like just just enjoy this moment. Yeah, no, I mean absolutely, and I think you know, I mean it's just it's an unbelievable time being a Tennessee fan. I mean, especially as great as the football program's doing. I mean, and this is. This is the most talented team Rick Barnes has ever is ever in my opinion is ever going to have at Tennessee. I mean, just from top to bottom, you know, as far as depth goes and everything. And I mean, this is going to be a really really fun basketball season, guys. I mean, I you know I really I expect high things from this team, and I kind of like have one of those like you know uh, expectations where if there's going to be a year where we make the Final Four, I think it's going to be this year, and just because we have more depth than we've ever had. I mean, this team. I think from a talent perspective, this team has is more talented, uh, even than you know, even more than the Admiral and Grant team back in 2018 and 2019. I mean, just from top to bottom and just rotation wise as well. So, unbelievable time being a Tennessee fan. Lady Balls, they'll get together. I'm not, I'm not really too worried about them. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I didn't watch the game, but they'll get together. They'll get together one way or the other. And uh, I mean, just soak it in, guys. I mean, this is going to be. At, it's it's great to know that like once football season ends, like it doesn't feel like we're waiting like nine months for something positive. Like we're going straight into basketball, and then before you know it, in you know less than three months, baseball starts up back all over again too. So oh, yeah. I mean, and, we're and, rolling, and you know, there's just not anything anyone can do about it. So, bro, that the whole thing is during that basketball game, like the Tennessee baseball team had the exhibition against Memphis and like smoked them like thirty eight to freaking like seven or something like it was crazy i know it was 18 innings but 
I, it was I, just crazy to see. Like 23 runs in like the first eight innings. So it's like yeah. something Yeah, but. obviously crazy. Um, Just to be able to, you know, loop around the year and now consecutive stuff, like only having one month off after baseball ends and then hopping back into football. If all goes well with football this year and like we finish strong, the, the expectations of the hype and everything is just going to be absolutely crazy. Obviously, this week, got to take care of business with Missouri. I don't think it would be right unless we ended the show with score predictions. I said mine earlier, uh, 59-17, senior day, emotional day. Um, Tennessee goes out there, takes care of Missouri, and then the boys take care of Colorado. I got 59-17 balls. Yeah, I think um, I think it's going to be, I mean, a very emotional day. You know, a lot of tears, a lot of tears inside. You know, Shield Watkins Field, for sure. Not just the players, but obviously all 101,000 fans that will be there too. But I think they'll cover the spread. Vols are 20.5-point favorites. I think, quite honestly, it's kind of low. I was kind of expecting this to be 22 or 23. Uh, but I think, you know, Henry Hooker is going to have five total touchdowns, about 350 yards total offense. Um, you know, I think easily over 500 yards of offense for the team in general. And I got the Vols 49-17. Uh, I don't have as specific stats as Drew has, uh, but I do I do feel like Hendon Hooker rides the Heisman race, and I feel like he gets back on track with that. Um, offense gets rolling early. Mizzou tries to play from behind, and then, like you said, their quarterback's got an interception problem. I say, I say we get like maybe two or three on the day. Uh, but I, I do think – I don't think we score as much as y'all are saying, but I do think we put up a hefty amount of points. I say 45-14. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say bold, hot take that we're, we've scored 35 points by the end of the first quarter. Good I have a, listen, that, I, I, that's why I said it's a hot take, but I said earlier. That's going to be hotter than my score prediction. Hendon Hooker is going to have the controller sticks in his hands, you know, four passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. The defense might score um, six total. T- I mean, bro, like this is a get back game. And you saw what he did to the team. Let him all in that circle, you know, getting hype at him every single one. Let him know that this season's not over. And he knows more than anyone else that all the media talk, especially that Georgia alum that was with Roman Harrison today that blamed the loss on Hendon Hooker alone, like all the overrated chance, stuff like that. Hendon Hooker, Heisman Hooker, is coming out here controlling his own destiny. He's going to lead the Vols, and he's going to get back for us. But he's going to – you know, he knows what's at stake. I feel like this is definitely a game where he goes out there and just dominates. Their, their defense isn't all that. Like, so. I – like I, I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna dominate for sure. But like, I mean, they're not gonna score thirty-five points in the first quarter. I mean, their defense isn't good, but it's a hell of a lot better than last year. And even last year, we didn't even score thirty-five points in the first quarter. So like, let's just, hey man, you're you're setting yourself like that. That was beyond hot take. That's scorching. I mean, that's, that's why I said hot. I mean, hey, I mean, we we were scoring. I hey, mean, we were scoring. We were scoring every possession last last season, and they were like 30, 40 what like 90 yards out we were scoring as fast as possible last season and Man. still only made it to 28 in the first quarter hey, their defense like their defense isn't like amazing but their defense is a hell of a lot better from last year yeah. uh i mean this guy they still rank top 15 in the country in defense so like they're not they're not that bad. Said, screw it bro i'm just saying this brady cook guy he has more it's logic we're going to go this five. guy has Ooh. more interceptions than, than touchdowns, and I haven't been able to say that all year since Anthony Richardson. This guy is going to have Tyler Barrett and Byron Young coming off the edge, Jeremy Banks coming up the middle, and I'll be damned if Jalen McCullough or, you know, you know Christian Charles or Brandon Turner isn't out there making another pick. Danico Slaughter, RDBs might have their best game of the year just off, you know, scores alone. I definitely – I just – man, I don't know. I don't 
this Missouri team, this isn't all that. Did we even score 35 in the first quarter against Ball State. I don't even think we did it even against Akron. Uh, let, me, let me see. Let me see. We scored <laughs> points. We scored points. Yeah, we and scored I'll be damned. If Eliah Drinkowitz comes out here with memes against my football team, all I can oh, think about is the yeah. guy in Columbia, Missouri, holding up the I'm sad sign as it says 52 to 17. And I'll be damned <laughs> if we don't add a touchdown on top of that and it says 59 to 17. Like we're going to – it's just – that's what it is, boys. I, the most the most that we've scored in a quarter this year has been uh, 21. And that was, the, that was against Bama. 21 in the first quarter. Then we had 21 really? against Ball State and Akron. <laughs> In the second quarter, that's that's actually really mind blowing. I would never thought that Bama was the most points that we scored against an opponent in the first quarter. Yeah, if you don't think Joshua Heifel, with all of his you know get back games against you know Oklahoma, you know going down there against Bob Stoops' brother and and Mark Stoops of Kentucky, going where he started off as offensive coordinator in Missouri, obviously this game, all the jokes that you know Drinkwitz made about our recruiting and our staff now and our offense now. Saying he's going to get his wins back, you know, from forfeits. But let's go get some more wins in the win column. Like, these – I don't care. Like, it's personal with this team to me just over all the years. Like, I'm not going to let it just because we've been dominant 3-0 the last three years. You know, Missouri, ever since they joined the SEC, wanted to be a problem with us. I definitely think we go take care of business. Uh, if I'm there or not, I, I just see the energy being crazy. 59-17, I'm, I'm riding with it. I don't care. Wait, wait. I, I apologize. The most, the most that we've scored in a quarter this season – like total any any quarter was the second quarter of the Tennessee Martin game where we scored 31. So if you think that it is so if, possible, if you think that Mizzou's defense is worse than Tennessee Martin's, like by all means, you take that 35 in the first quarter. I, I'm I'm doing it. <laughs> That's that now. Yeah. Like I, I'm, just, I'm not I'm not gonna have this conversation. Brando, because you're not being rational at this point. Okay. Listen, I am the most sober I've ever been on a Vols ATB podcast, and let I'll be damned if Hendon Hooker doesn't. Yeah, I'll be damned if Hendon Hooker doesn't come out here and revive the Hendon Hooker Heisman. Like it's all happening. There's nothing to be revived. I mean, like, like 35. I don't even know if you have enough time. Like, just like they would have to hand us the they would have to hand us the ball like. During kickoff. if you don't think that Jalen Hyatt's running one like, route getting open, boys, I just don't know. Like, to tell you, man. We have to go three and out five straight times and yes. less than less than two. Yes. No, not, not even not even two minutes. Less than one. Yes. That's yes. not happening. No, and they have to yes. they have to throw all passing plays and incomplete every single pass. <laughs> like like that's the only way that's happening. If we score I mean, five points in the first quarter, that is going to be one of the greatest performances in the history of Tennessee football. And you better get ready for it because it's happening this Saturday on oh. senior night, the last home game of the season and the best season in a long time in Tennessee football. And I'll be damned if we don't go out there and win this game 59-17. to 17. It is 8-17 p.m. in Central Time. I, I will not talk about this more. Yeah. And, you know, obviously a huge week. We're going to be coming back here next Wednesday. Hopefully, you we'll, know, with us. But uh, wrap this up. Oh, we're going to be over here 9-1, and one, boys. I don't know what else to say. But, you know, after that, you know. <laughs> from you, Brando. This is absolutely We're absolutely. going to smack the Tigers. Good night and go balls. Not- <laughs> whatever. Hey, whatever. Whatever Brando drinking on, I hope y'all drinking on it Saturday because it is good stuff. We're going to win. Final thoughts. Okay. First of all, because Brando had to go his whole entire, like, almost <laughs> – Final thought. Outrage, like freaking rant that he just had over there. I mean, that was that was the wildest thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but 
We're going to win. All right. It's so, been an unbelievable season. Don't let Brando's irrational nonsense. It's not irrational, man. We're going to kick their ass. We're going to win. We're not going to score 35. What are you arguing that, Like, that's why is 59 too much? Bro, you <laughs> are not talking about. I don't care about the 59. We didn't score that much against Akron. And Akron's fucking ass, bro. Like, okay. Let's not be irrational here. I'm final being thoughts, so rational. Uh, final thought. <laughs> you're making me lose track of you. Get it together, Drew. You're a professional here. I'm the fucking kid. Talking about scoring 35 points in one quarter. Uh, We're going to win. We're going to win by four or five touchdowns. No one's argued that. No one's disagreed that. Don't let Brando's madness over here like suggest that we're going to have the greatest performance in the history of Tennessee football. We're still going to cover. We're still going to dominate. We're still going to kick their ass. We're just not going to score 35 points in one quarter because. We couldn't even do that against UT Martin that is, or Akron or Ball State. But okay. we're going to win. It's been an amazing season. It's going to be a very emotional Saturday for a lot of us there that are watching, attending, or, you know, whatever. Uh, but, yeah, all right. I mean, that's – and we're going to beat the shit out of Colorado on Sunday in basketball, too. It is Derek Dooley noted that y'all do not agree with me that we're scoring – 59 points and 35 and no, a quarter. No, 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 no. You're not twisting it like that. No, you I am, I am doing it. Alex, any closing statements? We yeah. don't care about that dang 59. We care about the outrageous 30. is a possibility. We think it's unlikely. 35 is just irrational. I mean, like, this is okay. I mean, <laughs> Anyways, my final thoughts. My final thoughts. Senior day on Saturday. Show up, show out, be loud. It's affordable. Uh, it's not sold out, so get there if you can. Um, watch the basketballs, watch the lady balls, all kinds of good Tennessee sports going on, and they will continue for the rest of this calendar year into the next. I'm a firm believer of that. And <laughs> balls are right there. Yeah. Uh, our, to be realistic, man, like our destiny, everything we want, the whole path is right in front of us. Let's not get too bummed down about last night. Obviously, we go 3-0 in the season, you know, finish strong. Tennessee definitely is going to be in the playoff picture. Uh, basketball getting started, a lot to look forward to. I know next week, if we you know win that game, the more weeks we play, it's going to get closer and closer. Just take care of business. Uh, let's go stomp this Missouri team, man. They're, they're not good. It's the last game in Neyland for the year. And I'll be damned if these kids you know, aren't crying tears by the, you know, the outcome we show out with. So 101, 915, 12 o'clock kickoff. Go out there, be loud on CBS and – until next week, it's a good night and go balls. Go balls, baby. Go balls, baby.